0: Koto no mai, hide mai, welcome to this Q&A to Tato Anamata, our future special. Today we're focusing on one central part, one central question. Is New Zealand's superannuation fit for purpose? We've got a studio audience who we will invite to ask some questions, plus a panel here in our studio. David Marshall is the chair of the Superannuation and Taxation National Advisory Group for Grey Power. Kia ora David. Kia ora. Tama Potaka is the CEO of Ngai Kitamaki Tāmaki and a former Superfund advisor, Tenakui. Jane Wrightson is the Retirement Commissioner, kia ora. kia ora. Jack. And Infometrics economist Brad Olson is a mere 41 years away from qualifying for super under the current settings and he still wants to raise the age. <laughs> kia ora, Brad. Kia ora. 1898. Yep, it was Prime Minister Dick Seddon who first introduced the pension in New Zealand 123 years ago. Today's super is indexed to the average wage. And at the moment, all New Zealanders over the age of 65 who've been resident here for at least 10 years as an adult qualify.
1: And you'll resign rather than raise the age of super from 65? You will?
0: Well, isn't that letting down her generation? because they are going to have to pay the bill for that. And with that, Jacinda Ardern stopped Bill English's plan to gradually raise eligibility to 67, sticking with 65 while she's in power. Superannuation, or the pension, is a benefit. It's paid from work and income, and it takes a big chunk of our overall welfare spend. Currently, it costs around $45 million a day. That's $16 billion every year. But in 20 years' time, Treasury projects that could cost $49 billion a year. This is how the big sum breaks down. At the moment, single people get less than $500 a week. Each person in a couple receives $336 a week, and that's after tax. It's not much. Super wasn't designed to cover rent. Pensioners were assumed to own a home. But of course, increasingly, they don't. Around 15% of superannuitants are renting, and with home ownership declining overall, this will rise. We're also living longer and having fewer babies, which will mean a smaller group of workers supporting many more superannuitants. Kiwis over 65 will outnumber children for the first time in just five years. So then, superannuation costs us a lot of money and is forecast to cost us even more in the future there is a question of sustainability. Jane writes in, is New Zealand's superannuation sustainable at this cost?
2: I think it has to be, but the real question is not that. The question is what kind of society do we want and what kind of system do we want for our older New Zealanders? So I'm always reminded a bit of Oscar Wilde at this point about knowing the cost of everything and the value of nothing. Um, The age itself is only one lever, and uh, I don't think we have an intelligent enough debate at the moment going, if the system is too expensive, and that's a big if, mm. because these are projections, not forecasts, um, then what do we want to happen? Um, and the most important thing, I think, is creating a system that involves dignity and mana mm. for our older New Zealanders.
0: OK, let's talk about that age of eligibility, cos I know that is the bluntest change is. That, that, that is put forward. Um, and, and, you know, New Zealand is one of only a few countries in the OECD that hasn't lifted the age to 67 so far. Your predecessor... Diane Maxwell wanted it to stay, uh, moved to 67. Why did we not move it to 67?
2: Well, it's not the Retirement Commissioner's choice, for a start. It's a political decision. Why don't you
0: support that, though?
2: (laughs) Um, I don't support it because I think the world has changed. And I will also say that successive Retirement Commissioners can disagree with each other. Hmm. There's nothing magic about this. Hmm. I think the world has changed in a number of fronts. Um, The post-COVID world has made it really difficult. Uh, it's It's hit the government accounts, but it's absolutely hit individual accounts. Um, You've got the housing issue playing out now, which is going to be within the next 10 or 20 years, people are going to arrive at pension age without a a mortgage paid off, and certainly without what would have been, say, a nice little comfortable council flat. So they're going to have to provide for themselves for longer. Our own statistics say that um, of the people on the pension at the moment, 90% of them um, 90% of their income is the pension, and about 10% mm. is what they provide for themselves. Okay. The system here is, is two-tier, right? It's, it's the New Zealand super, uh, which is the government contribution to well-being and old age, and it's individual savings, which is in effect what we do to maintain the standard of living that we want. Some countries have three systems. They have defined benefit schemes and, and compulsory savings, mm. so our system here is quite weak. And I say play with it at your peril and not without considerably more data and considerably more analysis of the wider trends.
3: Brad, do we need to raise the age? I think we've got to. I mean, it's a costly element. And this is about choice, and we make choices all the time. This is a very expensive choice. Nearly $19 in every hundred that is paid in tax to the government goes straight to super. It's a huge amount. We know, though, that we do have uh, very low levels of, say, elder poverty. Now, that's certainly positive. Got very high levels of child poverty. We make choices every day with the money that government has on who gets something and who doesn't. Over time, New Zealand super is going to be a very expensive proposition. It's going to cost the country a lot of money. Importantly, it's also going to cost young people uh, as we go forward. We know already we've got high debt levels, we've got those concerns coming forward about paying it off into the future. we have also in the future going to have not only a larger group of retirees who are mm. living longer, so we're costing more on that front, you've got fewer young people to support that spending. Back in 1996, there were 5.7 people Age 15 to 64 supporting every retiree. At the moment, it's 4.1 people re- uh, supporting every retiree. In the 2060s, we're talking 2.2. So you're going to have a lot of older retirees who are getting super for longer and fewer young people, fewer working people able to support that. That doesn't sound fiscally uh, responsible or fiscally sustainable Mm. as we go forward. I think it's got to change because there is a lot of money going forward and that challenge of how we're going to pay for it becomes more difficult every time we put this decision off. You're a Zoomer, right? I am a Zoomer. (laughs) Do you worry about your generation? I do and I think also if you ask a lot of young people I don't think a lot of them do expect that they'll have super in the same way in the future because looking out there, uh, things are changing. The one caveat to that is there's actually probably a lot of young people who in the back of their minds think that maybe we shouldn't have the super that you see today when we get to that retirement age, but we probably expect we might because we've seen generations of politicians drop the Mm. ball, kick it to touch, because there's no willingness to engage on this sort of topic. We've had hard conversations before as a country on what we spend on. This topic seems to be completely off the books and I think we've got to have, like uh, Jane said, a more mature conversation about super. That's why we're here. I'm glad we can all agree on that point. David, I'm going to come to you on this. Is New Zealand super fiscally
0: sustainable in its current form?
4: Well, I'm not an economist, so I'm not going to go into detail on that. But if I look at the data that I've seen, I think uh, it's clear that New Zealand super is one of the most efficient and cost-effective worldwide. It's, it's quite envied. And if we look at the current uh, cost, it's about, it's perhaps about 5% of GDP, and uh, the average in the OECD is 8.5%. And I think even with the projections for 30 years, we're looking perhaps 7.5. So we're still below the average for the OECD. So I would not like to see it uh, fiddle with too much. And I think if we look at the groups who are really disadvantaged, if we increase the age, that's particularly women uh, mm-hmm. uh, on their own, uh, Maori and Pacifica, and those who are in occupations, particularly outside construction workers, builders, etc., they had it by the time they're 65, even before that, and to extend the time at it, we do not feel is right.
0: I, I'm not an economist either, but I mean, we can all look at some of these numbers and feel a degree of concern. So, in the next 40, New, uh, 40 years, New Zealand super expenses are projected to grow about one and a half times faster. Than the economy, what would be the real difference between 65 and 67, especially in a population that's living longer?
4: Well, I think you've got to look at those who are at the edges and what it's going to do to them, and that's that's the major thing. And I'd rather see a lot more work in that area, and particularly as we're seeing uh, people now with less uh, paid-off mortgages, mm. and that's only going to increase. That the, the number requiring that support and to be able to live in dignity in, in old age I think is, is very, very important and I would not just hastily go to extending the age without a
5: lot more work in that area. Tama, what do you think? Superannuation, is it sustainable? There's some challenges. Uh, there are some serious challenges around the fiscal uh, ramifications of superannuation in its current form. Uh, but I think the age issue and dialing up and down the age is actually a distraction. Yeah. The key issue for us as a community and as a country is the well-being of the people, and superannuation is but one tool amongst many that the government, public, private entities, and tribes have at the disposal to improve the well-being of the people.
0: Just unpack that a little bit more for me. What do you mean by that? We we should start off with asking ourselves, what do we value, what do we want, and move back from that
5: point? Well, a great example, if I put on a bit of a black hat here, Māori life expectancy is about seven years younger than Pākehā life expectancy, Mm. and 10 to 12 years younger than Asian life expectancy in New Zealand. So Māori generally don't make it to beyond 73 for Mm. men and 77 for women. So the amount of time Māori have to enjoy the superannuation is probably a lot shorter than other cohorts in the community. Not to say the superannuation system is uh, unequal, it's equal. If you make it to 65, you get the pension, mm. but it's producing inequitable outcomes that are correlated in some ways to certain communities, including Māori. But there are other systems and other organs of the state that are helping uh, the super, uh, superannuation, things like health, education, housing. And if we dial superannuation a little bit, we've got to look at these other things as yeah. well.
0: Alright, that equity issue I think is fascinating and really important. We're going to talk about that a little more in a couple of minutes. After the break though, what is life like for Kiwi pensioners who don't own their own homes? Tortato Anamata continues in a minute. Kia oraiti, we welcome back to this QA Tortato Anamata special. New Zealand's pension scheme was set up on the expectation that most retirees would own their own homes. But the number of superannuitants who still have a mortgage has increased significantly, and those renting or claiming emergency grants are also on the rise. Fina Owen went to Tauranga, where Kiwi pensioners are living a range of very different lives.
6: Retirement Nirvana. There are 27 retirement villages in Tauranga and surrounds. How about this one? It comes with a spa, a pool, croquet, the works. But the jewel is the mount, if you can afford it. Retirees enjoy $3 million beachfront views.
4: I live at the mount, yes.
6: You live at the mount? So you're fortunate, aren't you?
3: Oh, no, I worked pretty hard to get here. <laughs>
6: yeah. How's life down here on the Mount? Loving it, loving it. We've only been here three years. From Auckland? Yes. yeah, mm. But, yeah, amazing. I mean, look at it. Tucked in behind the beachfront mansions at the Mount, are council pensioner flats. A rather different lifestyle for these separatuitants, some of whom don't want to show their face. Managing
2: is a struggle because you don't put your heater on. You just
6: you, It's either that or food. So you really have to budget hard really on the current level I of super? Yeah. You can't go for holidays or anything like that. But there are other worries. The Tauranga City Council's selling off all its pensioner housing and trying to find homes for its former tenants. It won't be at the Mount. These pensioners will have to leave their community.
2: Stress stresses me to the max. Um... It's actually depressed me a
6: bit. What's really striking in this region is the growing number of lifestyle trailer parks for superannuitants. One park manager telling us he's fielding calls every day from pensioners wanting a place to call home. From self-contained mobile cabins to compact little houses, or a lot on which to permanently park your caravan, there's a two-year waiting list at this park in Papamoor. Liz and Rick live here, and they love it. Oh, i The manager said to me that if, if, um, if there was room to put 50 of these yes. in, in the Bay of Plenty, they'd fill them up. They would in five minutes. We managed retirement villages in Australia, and we,
2: when we came back, we couldn't afford ever to have bought back into the mount.
6: You know, prices of properties and everything here are just ridiculous. I mean, if we didn't have this, I have no idea where we'd be. Behind the trailers, small houses have sprung up. Judy Younger knew her superannuation wouldn't be enough to support her, so sold her house and bought this home for $216,000. That was why I've done it, so that I can get rid of my mortgage and just afford to pay the rent. Well, it's land lease, really. Yes, so you buy the house. You buy the house, so the house you own and you don't own the land. So you lease the land. This is Elaine, a tenant in these pensioner flats in Katikati. I just found that the pension wasn't enough by the time you pay your rent and your power and your phone and I don't have internet. And the rent has just taken another hike. Elaine's been doing night shifts in a kiwifruit packing shed every harvest, that's nine hours on her feet. You've got 18 lanes that you've got to run up and down to keep them fed so that there's a box there for the packers to put the fruit in. Elaine's neighbour Margaret is also a packhouse worker but has put her hip out so won't be going back. She loved the work even though it was three nights a week from 5 to 2.30 in the morning. Is it too rude to ask you how old you are? 83. <laughs> 83? Mm. Did you think you'd still be working or supplementing your your income at 83?
2: Um, oh, well, it's just that my husband got um, had a heart condition and over the last five years, and he, um, you know, by the time we, we sort of lost our home, we couldn't keep that up because we had a little bit of a mortgage, so... Um, we had to look for something cheaper, rent. And, uh, and because he wasn't working and I was mainly his carer, that, you know, I mean,
6: That's <laughs> money only goes so far. Margaret receives an extra accommodation allowance. In the last year, MSD has paid out 51,500 hardship grants to pensioners. You sort of think, well, you know, they're giving so many of these out, should they just put the super up? It just makes me wonder, it just doesn't really seem to make sense. It's like they know everyone's not coping. These RSA-run flats were built originally for returned servicemen. This is ex-Navy man Jerry. He was seconded to an aircraft carrier during the Vietnam War. He's now fighting the frequent rent increases at the flats and helping out his neighbours.
4: Even those that have got that extra accommodation supplement are struggling to the extent that We are now regularly picking up food parcels um, for some of the residents here.
6: Those gated retirement villages can be deceptive. Many people within them are still budgeting hard. This is 81-year-old Graham out for his daily stroll at the Mount.
1: If I had my time over again... I would have saved a lot more in my younger days so that I'd be more comfortable in my older days.
6: But you sound like you are comfortable. You're in a very nice retirement village.
1: Sure, I am in a retirement village, yeah, but I do I do have to work a budget, a fortnightly budget, food and power and gas. Just to have my gas bill, $383 for power, gas, and for a phone,
6: whew. Are we at the right age, 65 for super?
3: No, it should be higher.
6: Why should it be higher?
3: Well, because you're very young, it's 65, a lot of people are still working. I think um, move it up a couple of years every, so many years, yeah, yeah, bit by bit.
6: Clive is a young 89-year-old and in training for a walk up the mount for his 90th next month.
3: I don't need my super, but I wouldn't give it up on principle because I reckon I worked and paid taxes for years, plenty of that and I deserve it.
6: What will happen, though, in years to come when you're not as fit as you are now and you can't do your pack house work to supplement your superannuation? Well, <laughs> I hate to think. I really do hate to think. Just not enough. Just not enough in the pension.
0: Whena Owen put that piece together. As you can see, a scale of needs there. Some people, multimillionaires, pretty comfortable. Some people for whom the pension simply isn't enough, working into their 80s. David, I'll come back to you on this. When you look at that scale of needs, do you think that means testing could be an option for New Zealand Super in the future?
4: I'd be very much against means testing. Uh, Being someone who's worked overseas, I get a German pension, an Australian pension and the balance from New Zealand. And I can tell you, trying to go through the Australian system, which is uh, means tested, probably took at least 40 hours of work to fill in the forms. It then took them, and as well, paying my accountant Mm. to do a lot of returns. It then took them 12 months to determine what I was owed because New Zealand asked that I did that because I'd worked in Australia Mm. for a number of years. And then when it finally got determined, you get paid and then you've got to... Tell them if, and for example, I had some consultancy work, you've got to declare how much you earn, they then reduce it, you have to pay back. It adds a to... lot of bureaucracy as well. It's is what terrible, and we spoke to different people every time we called.
0: But, but, but when you look at a story <laughs> like that, Jane, and you can see you know, a, a massive scale of, of, of needs, some people who, who probably don't need the pension at all, some people who need the pension to be much higher, wouldn't that be a way of creating a, 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 you know, more equity? It, it's one way.
2: Um, and again, the first question is, is it true that it's unaffordable? And that bit goes around um, the, the cost of pension, pretty much against the cost of GDP. Mm. And there are other levers that can be pulled. If a government says, absolutely, we can't afford it anymore, then before we just do the whole scale age rage, which creates some inequities that I think mm. are so... Um, uh, imminently dangerous, mm. that, there'll be, that there'll be problems, you have to look at other mechanisms. And I, well, I don't think necessarily means testing is the right answer. It needs to be evaluated as one of the options to ameliorate the problem.
3: I mean, One of the challenges here, though, is that you can make it affordable by different metrics if you wanted to. We could spend our entire country's budget and then some by borrowing, and you could call that affordable. But it means different choices. That would mean less money, and this is what the change with super is going to do. It's less money for other groups. Means testing, I think, also really does change the premise of something like New Zealand super. Yeah. And so if we are going to have a discussion about it, I mean, yes, it's a blunt tool moving the age, but it keeps the similarity of the system alongside it. We don't change too much we're just tweaking the age. Whereas means testing is going to be a big shift, it would Mm. disincentivise at the margins success because why would you save as much money as you go forward if you know you're essentially going to get penalised? I feel like out of the options we're discussing, that Mm. one there is probably a a much larger conversation than actually just moving the age. Moving the age we know that there's at least good evidence for but the perverse incentives of changing uh, the eligibility, that's a a much more challenging. I think
2: that's absolutely right but so then you have to, then one of the other levers is called of taxation. Is taxation a better vehicle to to look at how we might? I think
0: raising Um, the age is politically popular but I can assure you that (laughs) taxation is not politically popular either. Well this is the thing,
2: none of these are politically popular, No, right? Uh, And that is the the quandary that every government has. So again you ask the fundamental principles based Mm. question, what is it we were trying to achieve here and Mm. just saving money generally isn't the question.
0: I want to get onto the subject of equity in just a moment, and Tamara, I've got some questions for you on that. But, but Brad, what about housing? I mean, the, the mm. cost of housing has inflated so much in recent years that you have these massive differences between pensioners who own their own homes, pensioners who are renting, or are in some sort of council-subsidised situation.
3: And you could take that and remove the word pensioner and you have the exact same issue. Mm. New Zealand super is not the way you solve our housing issues. Get housing right and leave super alone out of the conversation. And I say that because we need to be using the right tools here because these issues do uh, exist across all of our populations across New Zealand. Mm. Young people are battling, middle class are battling uh, retirees and similar and I say that because again, uh, treating the cause not the symptom is going to be important. If our issue is that people can't afford housing fix housing, don't give people more money and I say that because again the challenge we had when the government say raised uh, the amount of student allowance for students $50 a week, what did rents do? basically ate all of that up. Yeah. Fix the cause, not the symptom, is going to be important for all of these departments. I think, I
5: think you do get into whack-a-mole-type territory, though, when you're saying there's a housing problem, let's fix it, or there's a health problem, let's fix it. And all these things are like dials on a, on a turntable. Mm. Uh, and you've got to get the, the right settings across health, education, mm. housing, superannuation, and a few other things to improve the well-being of the community. Because if you just fix one, the mole jumps up on the other side. So that's that's a, an equation that ultimately politicians have to deal with, uh, but folks like us can help inform that conversation.
0: Okay, I don't want to use that term whack-a-mole too crudely for this next <laughs> point, but this is this is an extraordinary number that I've got to be honest, it stunned me in, in researching the program. So Maori make up 16% of New Zealand's general population, but just 5.6% of superannuitants because their life expectancy is lower, just 56 of superannuitants are Māori, just 2.6% of superannuitants are Pacifica. So if we are looking to make changes to superannuation eligibility, is the age of eligibility for Māori and Pacifica something we should be considering?
5: Yeah, I think that there's, again, the age issue is a bit of a distraction from the conversation around wellbeing because when you stand back and you look at the demographics, which are really important in this conversation, 30% of young people between 0 and 14 either Māori and Pacifica. Mm. Those people are the ones that are going to be funding pension in the future. So if we're not investing time, effort and energy into young Māori and Pacifica kids mm. between 0 and 24, I'll say 0 and 24, uh, then we're going to have some <laughs> serious problems around things how things are going to be funded in the future because that is a core part of the taxpayer base in the next 10, 20, 30 years. Uh, mm. Those inequities that you you mentioned... Definitely, and there's some health and education issues surrounding that mm. and the reasons why Māori and Pacifica aren't making it to those age brackets.
0: So, so to be really clear, would you support changing the age of eligibility for Māori and Pacifica, or not?
5: Oh, I think that's a political question, mm. and I'm not a politician yet. Uh, but what I will say <laughs> is this, is that unless we invest in health, education, business and enterprise for young Māori and Pacifica those problems are going to amplify significantly. Yeah. And that starts from things such as supply diversity, yeah. Yeah. things such as making sure that Māori boys don't have the same statistics that we had 40 years ago, mm. which we do. Yeah. Uh, things such as Māori health providers, making sure we fund very equitably very good Māori health providers. Yeah. So the notion of whānau order is where it's at for Māori, and where it's at for tribal economies. And when it comes yeah. to
0: superannuation, David, th- th- there is this question of fairness that we always always come back to. What is a fair age? What is a fair sum for, for, for younger generations to be, to yeah. be um, you know, providing um, superannuation? Um, what do you think about changing the age for, for Māori and Pacifica? Would you prefer to keep things 65 across the board? Or when you hear numbers like that, just <laughs> 5.6% of superannuitants are Māori, do you think a fairer option would be to lower the age?
4: I don't know that that, whether that would be acceptable politically from from, in the country, but I I recognise that. But see that if we could deal with the cause, Mm. I think that's that is critical uh, that we work there. And you know, I'm very aware in our own area of of young people who are leaving school and not getting into employment, and working in that area and trying to give them the confidence to get into. To uh, opportunities where they can earn well, but uh, I agree that moving the age up will more disadvantage Maori and Pacifica, and that's why, as part of that argument, mm. I wouldn't uh, wouldn't support and, increasing and, and, and
2: women, and women, and There, women are, three, there are three cohorts yeah. who this would affect uh, worst Maori, Pacifica, and women. Yeah. Um, for women. Uh, we arrive at pension age with considerably less personal savings um, due to our time out of the workforce, uh, due to gender pay gaps, um, due to the unemployment issues around um, older workers in particular. Mm. Um, So, you know, these blanket raise the age, do this, (laughs) knee-jerk responses just don't work across the population. And if you're going to have intelligent policy responses, they have to be flexed and they have to be nuanced. And most importantly, future... Uh, retirees have to have trust and confidence in the system and its stability. Mm. The very worst thing you can do in any kind of retirement income system, be it personal savings like KiwiSaver or government contribution yeah. like NZ Super, is to lurch politically across governments because you, need, long, you yeah. need the ability to long-term plan and trust in the system.
5: Can I comment on that because the Superfund uh, has been treated a little bit like a political football over the last two decades and mm. contributions turn on and off and it's done generally a good job and it creates a bit of intergenerational fairness along the way what it doesn't do and where I think there's a, a separate idea to be explored maybe by politicians is having a super fund type uh, for vessel or mm. investment fund for Māori and Pacifica.
0: Mm. OK, that's an interesting, an interesting mm. point on that note, we will pause for a moment thank you panel, stick around this q This a special will continue in a minute Kia ora welcome back. New Zealand's superannuation is supported by the Voluntary KiwiSaver programme. The two schemes in tandem mean Aotearoa ranks pretty well compared to other countries for retired living. Here's Connor Sterling with a snapshot of how things work overseas.
7: 65 is something of a magic number for super, but pension age varies around the world. Turkey's on the early side of the spectrum, their most experienced employees finishing up as young as 48. Women in Russia qualify at 56, while men have to wait another five years. Women also get paid out first in China, but at differing ages depending on occupation. A cluster of countries sit in the mid to late 60s and are inching upwards. Lesotho's eligibility sits at 70. Estonia is on track to reach 71, while Denmark's aiming to hit 74. Our voluntary KiwiSaver only asks for 3% contributions, whereas Australia's compulsory schemes going to deduct double digits from late this year and Malaysia takes 11%. Singapore will sting you 20% of wages until you're 55. Of course, some don't have this luxury. In India, for example, just 12% of its workforce is covered by the two main systems. Overall, New Zealand's rated a respectable tenth in last year's Global Pension Index, six places below our nearest neighbours, who hold more than $2 in pension assets. In the top three spots, Israel scoops the bronze while the Netherlands pipped Denmark to the top award, with the Dutch particularly commended for not permitting early withdrawals.
0: All right, Carmel Cipolloni is the Minister for Social Development. Kia ora, welcome to
8: the programme. Kia ora, Jack. Is New Zealand super in its current form fit for purpose? I would say it's not perfect, however I do believe it's fit for purpose. And when we look at other uh, schemes of a similar nature in other countries... Um, then I think we can see the benefits of the simple universal system that we have in place. In what ways is it not perfect? It's you know, as has been discussed by the panel earlier, there are uh, equity issues uh, that arise. Um, there's a broad range of people that access it. Um, some do much better than others. Uh, we have. Uh, you know challenges moving forward in terms of things like home ownership, given that the expectation is that when people reach 65 and they were eligible for super, they would uh, fully own a freehold house, which is uh, less the case now than what it had been previously. Uh, so it isn't perfect, but it is... a a simple scheme that I do believe is fit for purpose and as I said, compared to some other systems, I think it works well. Do you think it's economically sustainable? Well, you know, we we see Treasury's projections and I think as Jane said, they are projections. Um, It is sustainable, you know, we need to watch the space. Uh, With regards to Treasury's projections, we also need to keep in mind that those projections are based on current policy settings. Uh, There is some work that needs to go on in different policy areas. One of them is employment for older people. Older people are wanting to work longer. Uh, We don't currently have an action plan but it's something that we as a government are, are working on at the moment.
0: At a time when Lots of New Zealanders of a working age are struggling with the expenses of everyday life, struggling with the massive inflation in the housing market. How can you justify giving a pension well above welfare payments
8: to people who in some cases clearly don't need the money, who are multimillionaires? It's something that we value as a nation. Uh, you know, I think there is broad support for the superannuation scheme that we have in place. Uh, Kiwis believe that at 65 you should be able to access superannuation after paying taxes and everything else and um, you should be supported to a certain extent by the state and that is an expectation and we thoroughly support that expectation. Is it fair? I think it's fair. Mm. Um, I think that uh, we as a nation care for our... Older citizens, uh, we want to make sure that they are able to, to look after themselves. Uh, we believe in looking after each other. Uh, and, and so I, I do think it's fair.
0: What do, what do you think about those equity issues then? If fairness is a measure... How can we justify a system that has only 5.6% of superannuitants Māori and 2% or
8: 2.5% Pacifica? You know, I think Tama touched on that really well. Uh, It's not just about what happens in superannuation, uh, with superannuation, it's what happens in other uh, sectors and parts of the system. Uh, What is not fair is that we still have Māori dying earlier than others. Uh, and that's actually a a health uh, system issue and an issue in in other parts of the kind of broad-ranging universe that that has an impact on that we need to address those issues that shouldn't be the case. Mori should be living as long a lives as any other New Zealander Mm. and able to enjoy those lives and so that is something that we need to work on. Uh,
0: Until that time when Māori life expectancy is the same as my life expectancy for example should we be looking at changing the age of eligibility for Māori and Pacifica?
8: No I don't believe so I think that we need to keep it at 65. The um, beauty of our system is that it is easy to administer, that it's not complicated, that people understand how it works. Uh, There are other uh, aspects of the welfare system that Mm. can be accessed by people, but I believe that 65 is the right age.
0: There is one change that you and your colleagues have supported, currently making its way through Parliament, Andrew Bailey's Members Bill, which will increase the time period that people have to be resident in New Zealand as adults, from 10 years to 20 years in order to qualify for the pension. Why are you supporting that change?
8: Uh, We have quite a generous residency scheme with regards to accessing superannuation. Uh, It is uh, much more generous, far more generous than other comparable countries in the OECD. Uh, and so we think that it is a fair move and so because of that we're supporting it
0: Thank you for your time We we'll look forward to your contributions on the panel in a couple of minutes Stay with us We have a part a question from our audience as Q&A continues Welcome back to this Q&A special. Superannuation in Australia is means tested and supported by compulsory savings. Plus the age of eligibility is increasing from 65 to 67. Paul Bloxham is HSBC's Chief Economist for Australia and New Zealand. He's with us from Sydney. Kia ora, Paul, thanks for being with us. How has that age increase been received?
1: Look, the the age increase it, it makes makes a lot of sense in the scheme of things. Uh, you think you think about the idea that the you know the life expectancy has been rising over time, uh, and and pension age and accessibility of superannuation ought to move in line with, with 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 that. I mean, the main idea of this, of course, is to take the burden off future taxpayers for funding uh, existing a taxpayers' retirements, uh, and Australia has been very successful at, at at doing this in the form of the superannuation system which is the fourth largest system in the world even though we're the 13 largest 13th largest economy one almost three trillion worth of savings sitting there um, and and I think the fact that the the age uh, has been gradually by the way uh, increased it's not it's not as though this is one if there will be multiple steps over multiple years of lifting that accessibility age in line with the idea as I say that the um, the the work the, the life expectancy has been has been rising
0: does New Zealand need to do the same thing?
1: Look, it's something that ought to be considered, because, as I say, the main objective here is to try to take away uh, the tax burden on future generations for the retirement of the existing the existing taxpayers. Um, and this is something that countries across the world are facing as a challenge. Um, of course, what that means is, you know, there's a large uh, burden of pension pension payments and, and support, and if we can get that somewhat self-funded um, by individuals, that's, mm. that's an important step. It's an important step for the national interest and for the overall for the overall economy that we that that burden isn't all left to future taxpayers
0: of course australian superannuation scheme is means tested how fiddly is it
1: look it's it is there are some sort of some fiddly bits of it in, in terms of the, the 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 system is not is not a you know is is like all systems they this thing's been growing since 1989 now so it's got lots of parts that have been added to it and so on um, and lots of lots of, lots of adjustments. Um, but I think in the scheme of things, it's actually uh, quite an effective strategy. I mean, the other thing about Australia that I think is, is, is really uh, very much uh, a focus is it's a compulsory system whereby firms contribute now what is now uh, 10% and what by 2025 will be 12% of people's wage to a, a self-allocated account that belongs to them that they can then draw down in their, in their retirement. It's a, I think it's been a very effective way of, again, transferring the burden um, uh, from, from future generations.
0: See, that's a very interesting point because if New Zealand, of course, just has a voluntary system at the moment. Our comparable system is KiwiSaver, but it is voluntary um, for the time being. How different are the lives of older Australians versus the lives of older New Zealanders?
1: Well, so I, I mean, I think the, the the issue here is is that we we more of it is funded by the individuals rather than more of it being funded by the public purse, uh, and so and and this system, which has again been in place in Australia now for you know over 30 years, is gradually building in terms of its its capacity to deliver, such that we've got almost three trillion worth of savings sitting there for future. So. What, what then happens over time is gradually the burden is removed from the, from the public person, the current taxpayers, to, towards it having been saved for in the future uh, to, to, to fund those, that, 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 those future retirements. So it's, it's not even so much about the individuals at, at this present moment that you're, you're setting, that the system's designed. It's designed to deal with an ageing population to take the burden off those future, future generations.
0: Tēnā koe, Paul. We always appreciate your time and insights. That's Paul Bloxham from HSBC. I'm going to put that proposal to our panel now, and I will start with the Minister. Compulsory savings, compulsory KiwiSaver. what do you think?
8: Um, I don't think we're there at this point. I wouldn't want to speak to that particular policy because I'm not the Minister with delegation for it. Um, I think it was interesting though when you asked Paul the question about how well it was received, I don't think he actually answered that part of it. So I don't know what the general public in Australia think about the changes that have been made there. But as I mentioned off um, camera before, you know, it's interesting that, that Canada, uh, who were going to do the same, reversed their decision in mm. 2016 and have stuck to, to 65 Uh, And Trudeau was very clear that he felt that lifting the age was actually a simplistic, overly simplistic response to a very complex issue, and Mm. I think we would feel the same way.
0: Okay, I want to consider that shifting of the burden, though, from the public purse into an individual responsibility or, you know, an individual contribution through some sort of compulsory savings scheme. Tama, what do you think of that idea?
5: I think we had a compulsory savings scheme for a very short period of time in Mm. the early 70s, and then that was uh, jettisoned uh, in the the mid-70s. Certainly, from a perspective of a, uh, an employer, we're very encouraging uh, of employees and team members and even governors to take up uh, saving schemes, whether or not they're tribally oriented or the super schemes, the KiwiSaver schemes that are available. So, compulsory, probably not there yet, so I took all the Minister's comments, but certainly trying to lift and encourage people to do that, absolutely.
4: Jan, what do you think?
2: Um, It's interesting. Australians are are markedly better off as they Mm. head towards pension age than New Zealanders, and it's because they have uh, the three-tier system that I mentioned before, some of which is around compulsory savings. Their wages are higher, um, and they've got a good, robust savings plan and system around the pension in their retirement income mm. setting, right? Much more robust than ours. Mm. So the raising of age in Australia may or may not be as impo- uh, as influential as it is here because our system is weaker. Um, my sense around KiwiSaver is that my personal view is that it probably should be compulsory in time, probably with a carve-out for people on low incomes, mm. but we need to also have better incentives to
3: save. Mm. Got it. Brad? I think we've got to. I mean, put it this way, at the moment I'm paying into my KiwiSaver like many other young people because we know that we might not have enough support if we just have to rely on the state in the future Mm. because of how large that fiscal burden is because if we don't change super settings at some time soon without having that conversation we are throwing future New New Zealanders under the bus. We're saying that actually you're going to have to fund that all yourself. So KiwiSaver is a very important concept there, particularly for younger generations. What we're saying is that actually you're going to have to fund some of this more by yourself rather than relying on going to the public purse, and I think that makes a lot of sense. What you can also do, then, if you rely more on having people pay most of the way themselves, you can provide those top-ups to targeted groups that need a bit more support over time. But I think all of this also begs the question if we need to flip the super conversation on its head. We currently pay people who are over 65 an amount of cash every week because they are over Mm. 65. We know we've got issues around child poverty. What if for a second we stopped New Zealand super and we paid every young person from their birth through the age 18 or so <coughs> an amount of money every week? You mean That means that you would ha- build up a, a huge amount of cash over time. People could invest earlier in life. They could get into housing earlier in life. They've got a deposit by that point. It's flipping on its head, providing young people with the money in the early ages of life rather than waiting till as we're heading towards the end. I think there's an interesting idea around that and, and, and how that might shape our future fiscal position. OK, hang on, just unpack that for me a little bit more. So this is the, the Brad Olsen
0: super solution is to not necessarily focus on pensioners but to focus on young people. And can they access the money? At what point can they access?
3: Well, and, and that's the thing. You, uh, look, I'm not going to try and design the entire <laughs> policy on the hoof. Someone might have to pay me for a few more hours in this here interview. But the idea being if you fund... Everyone from zero to 18, mm. like uh, like super, if you will, over that time period, you put it away in something like a KiwiSaver scheme, with most of it going away. You can draw down on some of it to support your live as, as you grow up. Your parents can spend that on your mm. behalf, but a fair bit of that is locked away so that when you come to super age, you've actually got that money already. You're able to access it much quicker, but you're also able to use it much earlier in life. That could very well help address some of our housing issues mm. and otherwise. Yeah. Flipping it on its head, funding people when they young rather than waiting till they're old. I think there's merit in the idea. Yeah,
0: okay, David, I want to come to you here because um, I'm intrigued to know whether or not changes to eligibility would become more palatable if New Zealanders had all, by matter of compulsion,
4: spent years building up uh, KiwiSaver accounts. Yeah, I'd certainly support that, but (coughs) it's not the situation we're facing. Mm. And even if we went to a compulsory one, it's going to take years for that to build so that we'd start to offset some of the issues that we're looking at in the future. So I think the sooner it could start, the better. I'd still be concerned about those who are not in the workforce uh, and just how you cater for them, because they wouldn't be part of that. And That's this is exactly
2: it. right. KiwiSaver is, is, has been a brilliant introduction and uh, yeah. innovation for a generation. There's a generation behind it that have missed out completely,
4: mm-hmm.
2: um, who are the ones now approaching retirement. Um, however KiwiSaver does have its own inequities and this is what I mean about having to look at the the incentives and looking yeah. at the mechanisms because um, uh, women do not mm. f- fare as well in, in KiwiSaver right. because of the time out of the workforce and because mm. of the, uh, the the gender pay gap. Doubtless Māori Pacifica as well so it's a good system but it isn't a perfect system. Um, But if we are going to start talking about the cost to the state, we also have to start talking about the incentives for New Zealanders to provide for themselves. It's a two-tier system and both parts are important.
8: Mm, There's one other group that we haven't talked about with regards to equity issues and any changes to superannuation, and and that is disabled people as well. Mm. Uh, and even if we're talking about KiwiSaver the ability to be able to save through KiwiSaver uh, given the the much higher unemployment rate mm. for disabled mm. people yeah. um, you know there are equity issues there reaching the age of 65 you know there are equity issues there so there are a number of groups that This is the point
0: about. though isn't it? Like if, if you were to design a system whereby you had compulsory savings for all working New Zealanders you could then without substantially increasing the burden on everyone and on the public purse you could look to fund disabled New Zealanders or people who haven't been able to um, you know, build up their own KiwiSaver accounts through circumstances outside of their control, you could fund those
5: much more easily. Mm. I think, Jack, I think, Jack that, that's a, a great idea if successive governments and possibly in partnership with tribes and others can commit to certain standards of housing mm. and certain mm-hmm. standards of health that people are able to enjoy. Without that, I think that conversation is very isolated. It doesn't work.
3: I think as well that one of the challenges with something like uh, you know those who are disabled is we actually know at the moment that we pay older people those on the super more than we pay people on support uh, on supported living. In fact, back in the 90s, the two were basically the same. Now you've got uh, a 70 70 uh, percent of, of what you get uh, New Zealand super is is, is about 100 percent, roughly sort of equivalent to that wage. Uh, supported living is about 70 percent. We don't treat disabled people equally already and that Mm. persists into retirement age and again I think that gets back to the super scheme is not the issue that is going to solve that it's things much before it that we need to get right. Mm. Mm. Okay we're going to take a question from one of our audience members now Gillian
0: Dance from Grey Power has a part I a question for us. Kilda Gillian.
6: Kilda, I'm superannuant I've I've been paying taxes for years ever since I was 13 years of age (laughs) I don't regard superannuation as a benefit I regard it as an entitlement. And I wonder what the panel's views are on this.
3: I I think we've got to realise what it is then because this is a pay-as-you-go model. The taxes that I'm paying now as a a worker pay for the current lot of New Zealand super. Mm. So as much as people who have paid into the scheme over, or, or paid their taxes over years, you pay your taxes at the time for the current crop of superannuitants. And I say that, I talked to my grandfather the other day and I said well, what do you think needs to change with super? And he said I'm pretty happy with it. And I said well of course you are. You're getting it. I'm <laughs> mm. paying for his super at the moment. So that transfer of time, that entitlement, I really do personally challenge that because at the moment no one is paying for my super. That has to wait until the young people of the next generation when I retire. But so this I, this I, is I...
2: the system Brad. I have paid for my grandparents' pensions yeah. and my parents' pensions throughout my working life as I approach uh, pension age my daughter and her generations behind me will contribute to mine it's not um, I I kind of agree with you I have to say but what it really is is a transfer Um, I wouldn't call it a benefit I wouldn't call it an entitlement but it's a transfer based on a system that's um, designed to avoid pension poverty and to provide some dignity and money in retirement.
3: But again, what you're saying then is, in the future, there are going to be fewer people working to support a much larger group. You're going to go from having four working people supporting every retiree to two. Brad, in, I think in you years.
8: underestimate the um, the changes to our workforce as well. I think yeah. that we will see more older people wanting to work. Uh, they will be fit and able to work after 65, more than what we've seen previously. Uh, and so that's a discussion that needs to be
3: had as well. Well, step well, and we'll need to step in and Minister, <laughs> we're going from having an 18% increase in the working age population and a 125% increase in the over 65 population. Over the next few decades, we're going to have half a million additional working age people, mm. one million additional over 65s. Now, yes, a proportion of them will work longer, but those are some pretty hard numbers to match up when we've gone from having nearly six workers supporting every retiree to possibly two in the 26. And,
0: and let us not forget the expenses that these younger generations face in their <laughs> everyday lives. Right? Like well, we no, all have seen the housing inflation yeah, for the last yes, couple of years, yeah, and when you have a system yeah. predicated on owning your own homes, then
5: how can we possibly just expect oh, to oh, have this? people are
8: against each other. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no.
5: <laughs> there's a lot of smashed avocado going on down <laughs> in Wellington. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. what I would say is that Brad doesn't talk on a specific issue. It's population policy, yeah. and that's something that's completely mm. absent from yeah. this debate right now. Yeah.
3: Mm. I guess so, mm. with population policy it's not something we've ever been willing to discuss, but that comes back to this point of I, I really struggle with this idea that just because super has been this way for such a long time that it is the golden egg that we cannot touch New Zealand mm. has to have a more con- a mature conversation about changing things because mm. just b- because they've been that way forever doesn't mean they are I locked in stone That's this is a mature conversation well, yeah, one. One. <laughs> yeah, We want to continue, yeah, <laughs> exactly <laughs> Alright, we are almost
0: out of time but we'll be back with our panellists and their final thoughts in a moment.
7: NZ Super is a great system in a lot of ways. It's universal, it's administratively simple, and it's still a lot more affordable than a lot of OECD countries, and still will be in the future. One of the things I am worried about, however, is government debt it's pretty clear we're paying for a benefit that we're not going to receive in anywhere near as generous terms. But unfortunately, it's not clear
8: what the long-term plan for superannuation actually is. And that's a problem in itself, because we don't know how much we have to save.
0: To rangatahi there. Young Kiwis with their concerns about superannuation in the future, and of course they're likely to be the ones living with the changes. Um, I want to ask
3: each of our panellists a very quick question. Brad, I'll start with you. How are you preparing for retirement? trying to save as much as I can to get into a house first. That's the first priority for a lot of young Kiwis. They're not looking at super yet. They realise that things might well change, so trying to save as much as you can as quickly as you can. Jane?
2: Saving madly, much like my generation. I didn't do well enough in my earlier years. Um, I've had a couple of life shocks on the way through, which set you back two or three ways. So saving madly and knowing that right now I don't have enough to retire on.
5: Tama? Look, over time, Jack, health is wealth, and you've got to look after your own individual self and if you can, your whanau and other people. Uh, So on the financial side, it's about saving KiwiSaver buying our own home by keeping holistically, spiritually, culturally well.
8: Minister? Um, Like many that have been able, have bought a house uh, using my KiwiSaver and have the KiwiSaver now, Uh, and so saving along with others. Um, Also, I've had children, they are meant to look after me, you I think, it. in retirement. Um, and, and on the <laughs> other side of it, we've got our father, my father, living with us and are looking to get the mother in law move in as well. So that multi generational living, I think, um, that many of us have done for, for centuries mm. is something I think mm. we're seeing more of too. David, how would you advise
0: people to prepare for retirement?
4: Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. Uh, Saving, but with housing issues, I agree. That's that's a real priority with bringing up kids, and that you want mm. good, uh, warm housing, etc. But I think a more a compulsory system that al- allows that investment over the long period to then support in the longer term so that we are sustainable I think is important. So okay. We've got to take some responsibility for ourselves but it's pretty hard when you're facing housing and the costs in New Zealand.
0: We're almost out of time so I want to finish with a question for each of you and David I, I will start with you here. What should be our priorities in ensuring New Zealand Super is fit for purpose in the future?
4: Well, I basically feel that it is fit for purpose because, as we see, it's one of the most efficient and uh, lowest uh, cost g- to GDP, and even with projections, it looks great. I think adding in a compulsory uh, element to KiwiSaver, uh, so more are involved, and perhaps even a higher contribution rate gradually coming in, would help uh, with that. So, okay, thank you, thank
8: you. Minister. Uh, continue to invest in a super fund and not be in a position where we have that frozen again by any yeah. government that may be in is very helpful. Yeah. I think we stick to the 65 years um, and I think uh, as Tama very elo- eloquently pointed out before, we make sure that uh, we are paying attention to the other dials, whether it be the health system, the social yeah. development system, the education system, uh, all of those as well as
5: superannuation.
0: Tama, what should be our priorities?
5: Uh, from the womb to the tomb, I think uh, it's around looking after one another, uh, supporting uh, institutions like the New Zealand Superannuation Fund and the Retirement Commissioner, amongst others, and helping young people make really good financial and cultural decisions. Those people will look after us in the future, and we've got to look after them now. Jane?
2: Taking a princi- principled approach to the retirement income system per se. So, um, it, New Zealanders have to help themselves as well as be assist- supported by government. So, the, lo- the, the, the stability of the system is the most important. What I'd really like to see is a cross party accord
5: sure.
2: um, on New Zealand superannuation and its system, which gives people um, security mm-hmm. uh, and, and knowing um, their own responsibility uh, within a, a, a framework that's um, consistent.
3: Brad up the age to 67, probably in about 20 years' time, Uh, also increase KiwiSaver contributions, and probably most importantly, let young people, the people who are actually going to see these changes, have the debate. People who are currently on super aren't going to lose it in the future, but young people who are going to be the ones who need the scheme but also going to be paying into the scheme at that point, they need to be the masters of their own destiny.
0: Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate you all being here and sharing your expertise and thoughts. Hopefully, we can continue this conversation. Brad, Jane, Tama, David, and Minister Carmel Cipolloni. That is us for Q and A this week. Marai is up next. We're back next Sunday morning. Hey Te ra wiki. We'll see you then. <laughs>